welcome to Lady T Speaks Podcast. I am your host, Tamika, bringing you stories of triumph and inspiration. Today's guest is an inspirational speaker, financial consultant, and Amazon's best-selling author of the book titled Amber's Magical Savings Box, Rachel Hannibal. Hi, Rachel. Hi. So what's going on, Miss Rachel? Oh, man, nothing much. Just happy to be on here with you. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. So you were telling me about you attending your sister's wedding in Punta Cana. How was it? I was telling you about how hot it was. It was hot. Wow. It was Easter weekend. He got married at 1 p.m., which is like the hottest time of the day. Yeah. And it was right on the beach. So it, it was, was no tent. We had no nothing to cover us or anything. So that was crazy. We had to sit still and try to take pictures and look and look happy, but it was hard. <laughs> well, we made it through. On? Okay. We made it through. We made it through. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like a beautiful setting, beautiful backdrop, beautiful day. The wedding was nice. The pictures came out very, very nice. So I guess that's kind of all that matters. And you managed to escape Punakana before the issues with the people. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was. we probably came back maybe like two weeks before all this news broke of all these things going on in Punakana, the Dominican Republic. You know, it's so sad that people, you know, just trying to live their best life, go on vacation do their thing, and then something like that happens. It's pretty unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, listeners want to know, who exactly is Rachel? And Ooh, I am unstoppable. I am a an African-American woman born and raised in North Philadelphia. Uh, I am from a single-parent household. I have three older brothers big guys. I was born with security, I tell people. <laughs> Own personal and, <laughs> Yeah, bodyguards, for sure. I, it's just a rough neighborhood, you know, so you see a lot of things going on. Uh, my high school was actually on 60 Minutes with Diane Sawyer as being the most dangerous school in America. Like, what America. What school is that? Strawberry Mansion High School. So if you look it up on YouTube, Strawberry Mansion High School is listed as, you'll see the interview with Diane Sawyer or 60 Minutes of being the most dangerous school in America. And um, I survived that. You know what? what? I remember going to, at some point I wanted to join like the chapter of the Deltas and they had a fundraiser highlighting pillars of the community. There was a principal, I think the school's closed down now, something like that. But the principal of the school, like she came in and did, I think she just like revamped the school, did like amazing things, had the kids motivated, everything. Maybe, maybe not the school's shut down, but I heard some rumblings about that. I don't know, but you remind me of, you know, when you told your story about Strawberry Mansion, you remind me of that principal. And she came in there and did some wonderful change. I don't know if she's in there. I don't know her name. Strawberry Mansion did have a bad rap for a long time. Yeah, they did. But some some of us were were blessed to be able to just kind of make it out and go back and, you know, offer some great things for the community. So I'm blessed to um, be in the number of of the second group of people. So 
that is in a nutshell. Also, I, oh, I'm also a preacher's kid too. So What's my mom's that a like? pastor. That is interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because people feel like they have to be a certain way around preacher's kids and they feel like you're going to be a certain way because you're a preacher's kid. And so there's a whole lot of different layers. People just assume you're going to automatically like yell at them and invite them to church so people avoid you. <laughs> so they, they called me all types of names and stuff when I was in school, referring to church. It was always like a little church reference or a little stab or a tease um, there, but you know. You know, my experience dealing with preachers' children, they've always been rebellious. <laughs> like, mm, yes. they've always been rebellious. And yes. like, oh my God, like, is that the pastor's son acting crazy like that? Or so, you know, that comes from the pressure that other people put on the person, on the child, yeah. and it just makes it to them feel like, it's, I can't do it. Like, it's impossible. I'm never going to live up to these standards. I'm never going to live up to this pressure. So why don't I just go, like, wild out anyway? Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's, that's where that comes from for the most part. Okay. So what about... You know, your humble beginnings as a child. What was it like for you and your siblings growing up in the house? So it was pretty tough sometimes. Um, like I said, my mom was a single parent, so, and she's raising three big old boys too, and they eat up everything. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. is serious. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, my my mom tells stories of my brother using an entire loaf of bread just to make French toast for himself. Yeah. Not for all of us, but for himself. And he probably ate it all. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, or he would use, like, mommy's mixing bowl for his, for his cereal bowl, like the big old mixing bowl, yeah. but he'll fill it up with cereal yeah. <laughs> and eat all of it. So... She was kind of struggling with keeping up with the expenses of, of course, growing children. These boys that wanted to eat up everything. And then we didn't really have the money for, like, the latest gear and and fashion and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. my mom made a lot of our clothes. So there was bullying there. There was, you know, being teased there. But, I mean, we did what we had to do. My mom did the best that she could. and, And we've all made it out there safely. So I say she did a great job. You know, well, I'm glad you appreciate your mom for that because some kids can't do it. Well, yeah, right. It has like this bitter taste to it, right? They, it leaves in their mouth. But once you get older, you kind of realize, first of all, half that stuff that you thought was important when you were a kid it doesn't matter. Um, and then you also realize that that doesn't really end when you become an adult. Like right. we think bullying ends or being teased and the peer pressure ends when we become adult. But there's a lot of people in corporate America, you know, those skinny jokes that I used to hear when I was in elementary school, I promise you almost every day at work, someone makes a skinny reference to me that really irritates me. <laughs> so you, you, once you get older, you kind of realize like this stuff is, this is just, people just, are just not good people. <laughs> right. It's the same. It's like, it's who they are and it is what it is. Right. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, corporate America, I feel like they allow a lot of that to happen because they feel like the people would weed out each other. So they don't have to do mm. it. You know? Mm. So. Yeah, maybe. 
Yeah. So like there's benefit for them in that as well, in my opinion. Not the expert, but that's just what I think. So we kinda we kinda talked earlier about me, you know, never having a drink or never having to smoke and never, you know, even trying it or even testing it or even being curious about it. How so many people throughout the years have just A told me I was completely crazy. B have tried to change that. So everyone thinks that they're the one to change that. And how saying no over and over again builds up this muscle that um, now allows me to be strong in those situations that you're talking about. Like now in those corporate environments that it's like a doggy dog dog world out here that people are just, you know, taking what they can get and, you know, it doesn't matter who they hurt or who gets their feelings hurt or who ends up crying at the end of the day. They don't care. And so all those no's has allowed me to just kind of like build this muscle where it's like, I do not care what y'all say. <laughs> like, right. I'm just like a tough cookie now, you know? So there's pros and cons to it that I, I appreciate the journey for sure. So you have this book. You wrote this book. Mm-hmm. And I just need to know what your inspiration was. When so you we talked book. earlier about me being a finance consultant. And, and I teach millionaires in training classes. I go to different schools, churches, and nonprofit organizations. And I kind of teach the young people, the teenagers, and even the adults sometimes, uh, some things that they're not learning in there, just the basic money management tools and skills and things that they need to uh, just give them the tips that the, you know, the millionaires use or the secrets, the millionaire secrets and stuff like that. I was looking for a resource to give my parents or my clients who are parents that have children to help them because I've read multiple studies that say that your financial relationship or your relationship with money overall is formed by the age of seven. That's so amazing. Whether you have a, yeah. I, I mean, the data is out there by like, it's so many different studies that have been done on this. Um, that has said that whether you have a positive or whether you have a negative relationship with money, that's actually formed by the age of seven, which comes from what? Whatever your grandmom was saying at the dinner table or whatever your parents may have been arguing about on the way to the store or the way from the store, you know, all that's a, a factor. So I said, we have to, you know, there has to be something that can I can offer uh, a parents as a resource or something that I can connect them to that would help them kind of like break the cycle in their in their household as I help the parent, you know, kind of get better. I spent some time in a couple of different bookstores, like even asking a receptionist to look up something in their directory that teaches kids about money management and there was nothing there. And I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that they didn't have anything in there teaching kids about just the value of money just overall out of frustration. I walked out of Barnes and Noble and I sat in my car and I pulled out a little receipt from some other store I probably shouldn't have been in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I started writing Amber's magical savings box. I just started scribbling because for me as a finance consultant for adults, I kind of know what they should have learned as kids because you see the cycle repeated. So it was easy for me to write it because I knew what my adults were struggling with. And and so I knew exactly which cycles I wanted to break. I started writing that book and that was February of last year um, with the intention to give the next generation of millionaires a head start on their road to financial freedom. So that is the model. That is the intention of 
the book. But also the second part of that is Amber, the main character of the book, is actually my niece. And she passed away here in Philadelphia at the age of three in a house fire. So it was a sleepover. It was five children who passed all at the same time and she was in there. And so it was a way, it was awful, but it was a way for me to turn that pain into purpose. And I wanted to share her light, share her life, share her love, because she gave us so much love in those three years, like really filled us up with this joy that still carries us over long after she's gone. So being able to do something in her honor and her memory, but also be able to share that love and that life and that energy um, that she gave us to other kids who, uh, you know, had the same twinkle in their eye that, that, that she had. So that is the, that's the second part of the story. So those two missions, that pain and then that passion and that mission kind of all came together to see Amber's magical saving stuff. What a uh, beautiful story, you know, that kind of came out of tragedy. And again, I'm, my condolences and I'm sorry to hear of such a tragic story. But the beauty is that you turned it into something beautiful. You know, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, here you are. You wrote this book out of your personal frustration for the lack of education for financial literacy in children. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give now that you have the book? Is there some tips from the book that you can offer to parents? Well, I would say the biggest thing, the biggest thing would be to talk to your children about money. Most people just talk around or above their children about money. They don't actually take the time to sit and talk directly to their children about money. And of course, depending on their age, that depends on the, you know, how detailed you want to get into the conversation. But I think a lot of people think that they're protecting their children from this green monster <laughs> um, or this, you know, I don't really know, or maybe just the problems that may come with money or the responsibility that may come with it. But it's very important for us to just kind of like have those conversations. If, if we're in the store and the child is asking for something, nine times out of 10, they're either going to get a yes or they're going to get a no. They're not going to get an explanation. I would encourage parents to kind of like expound on that because, you know, maybe it's no today, but maybe it'll be yes next week when daddy gets paid. Or maybe it will be, maybe if we, put a plan into motion where baby girl can earn some of the money and then we can kind of like match it and then come back and buy it together. So I think that just a, just a yes or a no is not, depending on the situation, is not good enough. I think that as they get older, we should really explain a little bit more. And I mean, help them re- reprice tags. Understand that there's a whole purpose to those numbers underneath this item that you're asking for and you can't just ignore them. So I think that that's a good, good place to start. To at least get them to understand that this money doesn't grow on trees, but it's definitely a tool you can use to get the things that you love and the things that you enjoy as well. I personally didn't know that children have those that in stone ideas about money at such a young age. I had no idea. In fact, I thought I started young with my son at 13, 14 years old. And I thought I was ahead of the curve. Apparently I'm not. And I think people just don't think about teaching their seven-year-old about money. You know, maybe mm. what a quarter is, you know, seeing, letting them see that there's four quarters to a dollar, understanding it from a fraction standpoint, but mm. just not a practical standpoint. 
like going into the store and what it means to have a dollar, have a quarter, what it means, you know, can you buy this with this amount of money? You know, like the idea of value, the, the value that money has. So, you know, no one, I, me, I can only speak for myself and uh-huh. I'm an educated woman, right? Um, uh-huh. I had no idea that, uh, that it started that young. So thank you for that. No, no problem. Amazing advice. Okay, so we talked about the book. The fact that you're an inspirational speaker, how does that work for you? Do you travel to different sites or do you have, I guess, like... Yeah, so so I I think that I'm a firm believer that we we should use our, our story to inspire others. And my story is so colorful. I mean, there's so many colors there. I believe that it is needed to share it. I believe it will help others. So it is my intention to take the, you know, all the, the parts of the recipe, the, the sour stuff, the sweet stuff, and the weird taste and stuff, and just kind of mix it all together in something what I like to call soul food. That is just me sharing all the shades and all the colors of my story to empower others and to encourage others, um, which is why I call it my pep talk. So pep is actually my nickname that my mom gave me when I was born. Pep, so my family calls me pep. But I expanded the pep out, prepare, empower, and push. So pep talk. So I go and I do these pep talks to different, uh, again, wherever is needed, conferences and all types of places I've been. We're just using my journey to, to help inspire others and to prepare them for the things that they are praying for, hoping for, to empower them with tools that they need so that when they can get the job done and when they get there and to just push them, to just encourage them, to just go ahead and go forward. That is, you know, yes, I do travel. So anyone who would like to, you know, have a pep talk, we can, I'll give my information out at the end. But yep. Nice. Tell the people about um, your relationship with Barnes and Noble. Ooh, so <laughs> I spoke about, you know, going into Barnes and Noble and spending some time in a couple of locations and not seeing anything about money management. I'm sitting outside of a particular location. I'm writing, scribbling the book. I That was almost a year and a half ago, the, the middle towards end of February of 2018. Even as now, as we record this podcast, I am in the middle of my Barnes & Noble book tour um, that will kick off uh, July 21st. Today, I actually received a message or invite from the manager at that particular Barnes and Noble location that I actually sat outside and wrote the book and to come in and do a book signing. So I am just like amazing, overjoyed at how a a difference that a year makes because again, it wasn't even my intention to write a book. I can't even say. Listen, I had no marketing team. I had no plan. I had nothing. I didn't have a social media hashtag. Like, I literally had no idea. I'm just working on my day job, and I am just writing the, you know, trying to finish to the finishing touches on on my lunch break. That's it. Self-published, all done on my own. I didn't have anything. I The photo on the back of the book was just like an old photo, that most recent photo that someone took of me. I put it on there and slapped it on there and sent it in. So 
to now be a year and a half later and to know that it is in Amazon Canada, it is in Amazon UK, it is in all these different parts of the world, it is in a library in Africa now, it is in so many different places and for it to be a bestseller, it's just on Amazon, it's just crazy how big um, one act of obedience can bloom into. And we, and we think that, you know, small seeds, we think it's going to, you know, we're going to reap something small, but like, no, a small seed can get you something huge if you are planting it in the right soil in the right time and you are nurturing it and you're doing it with the right intentions. And so I'm just excited about this book tour kicking off and being able to have the sign-ins and all of that stuff. They're going to have little posters in my face on, like, the celebrities. I don't, I'm not going to know what to do with myself. Fabulous, what I tell you. <laughs> fabulous, fabulous. Oh, wow. Doors are really opening for you, and it's well-deserved. Tell us your experience with Breakfast Club. Ooh, so... Because you be leaving I'm stuff. Sure. Oh, man. Well, you know, sometimes when it's your story, but you know that part. You know the rest. So most people, I'm sure most of your listeners are going to know about The Breakfast Club. But in a nutshell, it's probably one of the biggest radio shows right now um, in the world. They are in a ridiculous amount of markets. Yes. Um, and their live listening listeners is over 3 million listeners who listen and tune in live every day, which does not count the the YouTube and, and does not count the podcast listeners and stuff like that. They have a short few minute segment in, in the first few minutes of the day where people can call in. You kind of can just say whatever you want. God woke me up one day and told me to call in. He woke me up at five o'clock in the morning and told me to dial that 1-800 number. I was, I'm like, you know, have sleep. I'm like, this is a crazy idea. Like I'm looking it up on my, I'm like, I got to look the number up. I don't even know this number. <laughs> you know, like who calls the radio station? I've never done that for my life. And what am I even going to say? Like I didn't have any lines practice or anything. My faith was so low that I didn't even get out of the bed because I was almost sure that no one was going to answer. I was almost sure that, and the line was busy a couple of times. I did have to call a couple of times because I'm like, thousands of people are calling in on this one line like this this is a bad idea the producer answered one of those times that I called it rang it wasn't the business I was like oh my god she asked me you know why are you calling and I was like oh I just have this children's book and it's about money and I just kind of she's like okay hold on I'm like hold on oh my god Wow. I'm like, what's about to happen? Like, what you mean? Hold on. Again, I'm in bed. So I jump out of my bed because I'm thinking I can't have like my morning voice on. Right. The groggy voice. I right. I didn't practice any lines. I haven't been prepped. I've never been on radio before. I literally don't know what is about to happen. I don't, I'm shy. I'm like the biggest shy person you'll probably ever meet. I'm terrified. My heart is beating a thousand beats per minute. And lo and behold, DJ Envy said, good morning, what's your name? I said, my name is Rachel. God just gave me all the words to say. Even now when I play it back, how fluently I just was like, oh, I have this new book that's on Amazon now. And it's called Amber's Magic. It's just, you would have thought that I was reading that. Off it's of yourself. Yeah. And, you know, Charlemagne had asked me some, some questions about the book because he, you know, he saw that it was interactive. So he said, how was it interactive? That's interesting. And I was saying how the kids have to write their financial dreams and goals in the book and they kind of have to follow Amber's journey to see it. 
if she actually earns enough money for the magical toy or not. And they have to kind of like add it up and tell her how much she still needs and stuff like that. So it's really like they have to do some work. They have to write in it and stuff like that. Lo and behold, they ended up not taking anyone else after me. And it ended up leading to this big conversation about the importance of financial literacy for our kids. I hung up that phone, child, like it was a regular old Tuesday morning. Drove, got dressed, drove to work like nothing happened. By the time I got to work, my social media was blowing up. My phone was blowing up of people saying, I just heard, I'm in New York. I just heard you on the radio. I'm this, I'm at this place. I just heard you on the radio. I just ordered your book on Amazon. So something told me to check my Amazon numbers. And don't you know, it was on the bestsellers list. Within the 45 minutes, it took me to drive, to get dressed and drive to work. I hung up that phone like nothing ever happened. I didn't even call anybody and say, (laughs) say anything. They have replayed. My little 30 seconds, 40 seconds, more than, I've only heard it three times, but a lot of people have told me that it's been more than three times, that they just randomly play my call. I never even knew that they did that. They replay calls. Why would you need to replay calls when thousands of brand new people call every morning? Who replays the call? Well, who has the interactive children's book on financial literacy? You know? You know what is weirder than that? I actually ended up being blessed to speak at a panel and Angela Yee was there. She was, she was receiving an award at this panel that I was speaking on. I had a big poster with like the picture of the book on it and she recognized the book. And she's like, hey, are you the girl? I was like, you remember? She's like, yeah, we all bought the book after you got off the phone. So she had recognized the cover of the book. She said, don't you want to take a picture? I'm like, yes. So I have this picture of me and Angela Yee, and I just couldn't believe that wow. she would remember me months later, months and months later. I and think so, yeah, they played it. It's impactful. And who's doing it? The only other person that I know, and, you know, from the public standpoint, there's a, a girl, I think she went to Howard or something, or somewhere, and she made an app for kids about credit. Mm-hmm. That is the mm-hmm. only thing that I ever heard about someone doing financial literacy for children. So it is a, a niche for sure, an untapped market for sure. And I just think you were right place, right time, right situation. Everything fell in place for you. Wow. Yeah. Talk about yeah. follow your dream. What you say you had a dream or something or God spoke to you to yeah, wake up and call him? Wow. Look at that. And yeah. listen, but you listen. And like you said, that act of obedience is what... It take you far. It take you far. Good. It changed my life. Even me calling in and even me thinking it was a bad idea, but still doing it anyway. Even me being extremely fearful, but still doing it anyway. Like even I hear it's not even, it doesn't even sound like my voice. Like my mom says it and my best friend says it. It doesn't even sound like you. It doesn't sound like you, but you can tell it is me, but it doesn't sound like me. It really doesn't. And I'm like, it's because I'm out of breath. My, my voice is shaking. Like, I don't know what's happening, but um, just, just the, the thought of, and I know a lot of people are struggling with um, the fear. Fear is so, it can paralyze you so much. Do it anyway. If, we, if, if your listeners get nothing else from this podcast, I will say that even in fear, do it anyway. Just do it anyway, because you just never know how one step can literally change your life. Even the one step of me writing it on a little receipt paper, and that, that day completely changed my life. My life has not been the same since then. 
Wow. And everything happened in, in suitable fashion after that. Wow. Yep. So thank you for coming on the show, Rachel. And how do people contact you? Oh, you can contact me through, oh, my Facebook is Rachel Hannibal, which is R-A-C-H-A-E-L-H-A-N-I-B-L-E. And that's also my website too, rachelhannibal.com, where you can find all the information about my financial consultations. And you can also put in a request to have a pet talk or a millionaires and training class at your location with your group of uh, either teenagers or adults. And you can also follow me on Instagram. I always give out financial tips, free tips on Fridays, Finance Fridays. So follow me on Instagram. That is peptalks, P-E-P-T-A-L-K-S, all one word, underscore, at peptalks, underscore, on Instagram. So come follow me and, and get those free gems that I, that I drop every Friday. And keep up to date with the bookstore, too. I'll be posting all locations and everywhere. that You guys can just come hang out with me. I have really big giveaways planned for the kids at every last one of these uh, Barnes & Noble bookstore locations. So I'm really excited to be able to pour back into these future millionaires in this tour. Well, that is the talented Rachel Hannibal. Rachel, thank you again for coming on the show. You are a light and inspiration to everyone. And just keep what you're doing and God speak to you. Oh, thank you. And you are listening to Lady T Speaks. Oh.